0: Up, duelists, welcome to Pod of Greed, the world's only official Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, sponsored by Kaiba Corb. I'm Audrey. I'm Dan. I'm Max, and we have a very special guest with us today—none uh, other than Ted Lewis, the English voice of Rio Bakura, Bandit Keith, Jack Atlas, and others. Ted, thank you so, so much for joining us today for this.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I'm very excited. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's an honor. It is an yeah? honor, absolutely. Uh,
0: Huge privilege for us. Um so we have uh spent the last week collecting uh questions from our listeners. Um we're really excited to have the opportunity to uh interview you. Um and I'd love for us to just like jump right into that if that's okay with you.
1: Absolutely. Let's let's go.
0: All right. So the first question we have is actually from me. Um <laughs> so um when uh, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh, Kasuki Takahashi, passed away really suddenly last year, um, a lot of the voice actors shared uh, memories with them inclu- uh, of him, including Eric Stewart, notably, who um, shared a really sweet story about meeting him and um, having Kasuki Takahashi, you know, mention that he was his favorite Kaiba. Um, so I wonder if um, you ever had a chance to meet Takahashi. And if you did, uh, what were your impressions?
1: You know, actually, I never got a chance to meet him. I, I know that uh, I, I think that uh, Eric Stewart had, had met him, possibly Dan Green as well. Maybe some of the other cast members. I'm not sure. I unfortunately never got to meet him. And as a matter of fact, I I, I if my memory serves, I was out of town. Uh, we were about to do a convention. It might have been myself and Wayne Grayson and, and Greg Abbey. Uh, possibly. And, uh, and I remember the news coming out that he had, had passed away and it was just terribly sad. He was so young and it was very mm-hmm. tragic. So unfortunately, no, I never, I never actually got to meet him. I would have liked to. Oh,
0: well, that's a shame, but thank you so much. Sure. Um, okay. Now, <laughs> now some questions that are more direct to your experience. <laughs> um, we have a lot of, we had a lot of questions about uh, the actual, uh process of voicing some of your characters. Um so to start with, uh do you remember if there was any specific voice direction given when you were auditioning for the role of Bakura or even once you were recording it? Um especially since it is two characters that share a body and vocal cords. Um how did you go about making those voices the same but different?
1: You know, it's it's interesting. I as far as I can remember, I think they asked if I could do a British dialect when I went in for the audition, which I oh. could, um, <laughs> and and so I said, you know, yeah, sure. And you know, it's it's funny because I'm I'm thinking back, and I cannot remember whether they said that Bakora would have, you know, uh, you know, good Bacora and bad Bakora. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not even sure if I learned that later on in the show, if they had told me ahead of time, I have no idea. So it just so happened that I was able to, to do the Yami Bakora role. um, And my voice, you know, worked with it. But um, yeah, when I, when I auditioned just for the straightforward Bakora, you know, the kid, um, they, they asked if I had a British dialect, they had an idea that he was, you know, going to be from out of town and that kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah I just remember auditioning and using a dialect and and uh, and they seemed to like it and and there you go history was made
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I'd say it worked out pretty well
3: I think so I think
1: so yeah
3: that, that is an interesting you know it's interesting to just sort of hear that like uh they they just had this voice in mind from the beginning you know like of, of course they did but the notion of
1: Vakora being uptown is just very amusing to me for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting because, you know, I think what happens or what happened is that they would have different actors come in and they probably hear the quality of the actor's voice and they might've even had an idea that occurred to them just at that moment that said, you know, try it like this. Do you have something like this? You know, do you Mm -hmm. Ted as opposed to this other actor? So they might've even asked for a different kind of a voice or a different kind of a dialect with another actor. So I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting how these things kind of develop, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. It's actually really interesting to hear you say that the motivation for it was because he was out of town. My assumption for the English accent was always that. So in the Japanese version, he's super polite. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uses like a lot of honorifics. So my assumption was that like the English accent was supposed to sort of uh, communicate that level of politeness. It, it,
1: it could very well have been, you know, Audrey, because I, it was so long ago. I might even be imagining that they, that they had the idea that he was from <laughs> sure. out of town. I might've just like, in my weird memory, have conjured that. I don't know. So you might be correct. It might have been just them saying, oh, this might be an interesting idea to kind of up the politeness factor. Not that every Brit is polite, mind you.
0: Right. (laughs) I'm sure
1: many many are, but uh, there you go.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, he is also very much from out of town. Like the fact that he's a transfer student is a core part Uh of his character. That's right, yes. Yes.
2: I even feel like the the accent it, it it works well in the context of the English sub anyway because you have, you know, you have Joey Wheeler's Brooklyn accent. Mm-hmm. You don't really question why there's a kid with a British accent hanging out with the gang. Just it just kind of it it kind of makes sense and sort of melts together in the fiction of the show. It doesn't seem unnatural in the first yeah. place
1: and i think i think in the in the in the cartoon you know world in the world of animation and and you know stories mm-hmm. for kids i think they try they very often they'll kind of paint things in, in pretty broad brush strokes, you know? So yeah. if, if Joey is that kind of a guy, they might say, oh, you know, try a Brooklyn accent because that'll illustrate that character better or whatever you, and, and although it might seem odd in some, in, in the real world, but, oh, in this group of friends, there's a kid from Brooklyn and a kid from London, and a kid, you know, whatever. <laughs> but in the, in the world of, of, uh, of animation and, and the Yu-Gi-verse, it, it, it works, you know? But kids love it. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and speaking of accents,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, the next question is actually about Jack Atlas. I um, knew you has, were going to say that. <laughs> who very different, but equally distinct accent. Um, yeah. So what sort of things did directors ask of you there? Were there any other voices you put forward for him? How did it all come together? Um, and was he any different uh, from his your, the usual process you go through uh, creating character voice?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. This is interesting because with Jack Atlas, someone had an idea that possibly he might have an Australian dialect. So they asked me if I had one. And I said, yeah, I, th- I think I can try it. I don't have a, a great Australian dialect, but I can try it and see what happens. And so they, they liked what I did. But what's funny is that when I went into dub on maybe the first or second episode, maybe they, they, they said, so we like the Australian, but can you do it a little less? <laughs> and I, mm. I said, well, I can, I can certainly try. Um, because sometimes that happens, you know, when I've done other roles too, it'll be with a dialect or kind of voice. And they'll say, we love that, but can you do it like not as much? And so this has happened a couple of times, but with, uh, with Jack, it was you know. Could you do the Australian a little bit less? Okay, and then the next episode, we, we really like the voice. Can you do it even less with the Australian? Okay, so really, to be perfectly honest, by this point uh, in the finished series, Jack Jack's dialect is a Jack Atlas dialect. It's <laughs> uh, it's not particularly Australian. Neither is it British it's a Jack Atlas dialect. And so it's this weird amalgamation of whatever worked and and we had a certain amount of time to do it in and there you go. So
0: It's,
2: <laughs> it's a dialect of Theseus. Exactly.
1: exactly.
0: Yes, I, yes. I do appreciate the way that the wide range of accents in the dub leads to further uh, the Japanifornia yeah. kind of mm-hmm. mystery of mm-hmm. where Domino actually is. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's funny. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of them, isn't there? Aren't there? There's a number of dialects in these shows. Yeah.
0: And I've always, I, 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 my guess is that you don't know the answer to this either, but I've always been super curious about the names that four kids anglicized and the mm-hmm. ones that they didn't. Right. Like mm-hmm. why they changed Anzu to Teya or Honda to Tristan, but you know? kept Yugi and kept Rio Bakura and kept Seto Kaiba. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it does seem really random. And I, I, I was not there for those decisions. Those were definitely made by the, the higher ups in, in four kids. And, and I had never thought of it. But because I think probably because I'm not terribly familiar with the Japanese version. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, they, they just had this kind of mishmash of Japanese names and, you know, <laughs> English sounding names or whatever. And so I, I didn't even know that. So yeah, it's, it, it is kind of odd. I don't know it seemed like a rather random decision I don't know it's it's it's,
3: it's very funny yeah. yeah my personal theory was always that since you know y- Yuki and Kaiba are always sort of like at the front of uh, all the action uh, they wanted to like uh, retain the original names so they'd be like set apart and more like different sounding
1: yes I think I think maybe you're right like like for instance what are like Joey and Tristan what are their names in the
0: Japanese version so Joey makes sense to me so Joey's name is Jonochi Katsuya and everyone just calls him Jonochi so like Joey's a very clear yes anglicization anglicized of that. going, version that's right Yeah, if yes. you're going to make yeah. an English version of that like Joey's what you're going to go for that makes sense yes Tristan is Hiroto Honda ah okay <laughs> um, and the one that always confused me the most was actually Teya because she's Anzu uh, Anzumazaki in the Japanese version and mm-hmm. it's not as though Teya is a particularly common English name
1: no it's not it, again it seems rather random that's yeah. so interesting I've never thought of that yeah, you that, get kind of you, you get kind of
2: memes where people will joke about the, the quote unquote four kidsization of certain names where they'll, they'll take, you know, the, the letters of their first and last name and make a real name. So, you know, you'd say like, oh, Anzu Masaki would be like Alice Morgan or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine they change Honda to Tristan just because that's a, you know, Honda, it, despite being it's a it's common five. last name. It's also a brand. Yeah, it's a brand. So when people yeah. think that they would want to avoid that but yeah there there are some weird mysteries where it feels like they do kind of want to preserve the main characters names more than others just for the yeah. sake of i
1: i guess clarity if you know you're looking to show up something like that sure and and it could you know it occurs to me too that that perhaps in the deal that they made with with uh the japanese company that that the japanese company basically said you know we want you to keep these names or even keep a a certain amount of names, you're able to change some of them. So who knows? You know, it it could have been anything.
0: Yeah, Actually, you want to know the real funniest one is Pegasus. Who is Pegasus in the Japanese version as well, but his Japanese name is Pegasus J Crawford. And they changed it to Maximilian Pegasus instead. He's (laughs) called Pegasus in both versions. They just changed his other name. Amazing.
1: See that? I I think I like Maximilian Pegasus a little better, actually. I think it, it, it gives you an image right away. You know, the, yes. the Pegasus Crawford is kind of, well, okay, I can see that. But Maximilian Pegasus, I think it, it rings really well. It has a, you know, it has a nice ring to it. And it gives you an image immediately of who this guy is. You know? Yeah, it's, it's very cartoony. Very. As,
2: as someone who's named Maximilian and is not biased whatsoever, I also think
1: it's a better <laughs> name. Is that, is, is, that, is that your full name, Max?
2: My uh, my first full name is Maximilian. Yeah, is it? Is it? I was wondering. Yeah, the the, the, the funny result of Yu Gi Oh, you know, growing up around the Yu Gi Oh time is that no one knows how to spell Maximilian the the correct way. They spell it Maximilian like in the show where it's Max and then the number million. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and anyway, <laughs> my my so name's spelled a little bit differently than that, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's I, I'll I'll never escape the comparison. I don't mind it.
1: No, that's um, it's a, it's, a, it's a good name. It's a really good name. <laughs>
0: So, um, as a voice actor at four kids, especially, um, how much, if at all, did you work with the other four kids actors and, um, do you have any fun stories from that?
1: Well, you know, I'll tell you when we were recording these shows, um, it, it, we were, we were dubbing, which meant that, you know, all the animation had already been created and, you know, we, we were just going in to kind of dub our parts. And when we would go into record, we would be in the booth by ourselves. There were, uh, I think, I think it's called prelay is when the shows uh, were created around the voices that we, we uh, uh, performed. Um, but, but, uh, and, and in those instances, if three uh, characters pers- uh, for, for instance were in a scene together those three characters would be in a booth together recording their scene um, and you know just holding their scripts in their hands in front of a microphone that was not the case with UPO because it was a show that had already been created so every actor went in individually and put his track down mm-hmm. that said that said we all of us were at four kids at the same time, and we were all working on a lot of the shows, and so we all knew each other from basically from kind of meeting in the hallways or meeting in the you know in the break room before or after sessions, and very often you know at the time four kids would have a lot of parties for the holidays or or you know if it was a show was ending or you know for the wrap party for the end of the season they would have a party, and. Um, so that's when we would hang out. Now I am, am quite good friends. I'm very good friends with Wayne Grayson and Greg Abbey and, and Dan Green. We're actually very good friends. Um, and as to funny stories, you know, not, not many in terms of uh, being in the booth, but the funny stories were usually around going to rap parties and, and, uh, <laughs> And uh, going to far too many bars when when we were at an age where we drank far too much and oh uh, it was it was a little ridiculous so <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that but yes we have <laughs> we, we have fun stories but uh, yeah yeah
2: we'll just, what happens in the little parties much. what happens at
1: rap parties stays at rap parties yes exactly exactly
0: <laughs> I uh, I used to work in publishing which is obviously not the same kind of entertainment but it is still entertainment industry, so I can only imagine.
1: Absolutely. those the, you know, it's, it's a lot of the, were you, were you working in New York or LA? I was, or, yeah,
0: I worked for Knopf.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so, you know, when you're in New York and you're working for a company and there yeah. are like, you know, office parties and whatever. Yeah. It's that same kind of insanity, you know, when you're young and you're in the city and you're having far too many, you know, martinis and there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Okay, something completely different for this one. Um, Do you have go-to book recommendations, recreationally or professionally? And how about TV shows or movies? Oh
1: gosh, Um, nothing. Nothing professionally. Um, I God, I'm I'm I read so much. My God, I'm I'm usually in in between four different books. (laughs) Oh, bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh... (laughs) Um, But I I uh, gosh I. I would say in terms of books that I've read of late, uh, there's a book that I'm reading right now called uh, the Patrick, the Patrick Melrose novels, uh, which were written by Edward St. Aubin. And there's actually an adaptation on Showtime with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And uh, yeah. And it's about a, um, a guy who was a part of the British aristocracy who had been terribly abused as a kid and then uh, becomes an addict and then years later becomes sober. and it's kind of the story about he uh, about how he you know made it through drug addiction and and uh, becoming sober and dealing with his past and whatever. And it's quite wonderful. I'm reading that now. Um, I just recently finished the uh, Elena Ferrante books, which are uh, my brilliant friend. Which is the, the, the first one. And there's also an amazing adaptation on HBO, fantastic adaptation of the first three books. There are four of them. Um, gosh, and, and so many other books. Um, in terms of TV shows, I mean, I've, I've loved Succession. I haven't seen the last season yet. So Ooh, no spoilers if you have. <laughs> <laughs> amazing things. But uh, yes, yeah, so I've seen that. I've also been watching um, a show called The Other Two. Do you know that show? Yeah
0: yeah it just got cancelled, right?
1: did it I, I I I know that it had three seasons.
0: I think and, it just uh, got cancelled uh, like yesterday.
1: Oh my gosh that's that's a tragedy because it's it's laugh out loud funny. it's really, really hilarious. and I also liked another HBO show called Somebody Somewhere, which is this uh, gentle little comedy drama about uh, you know unusual. Kind of non-mainstream people living in the middle of, of a small town in kansas and making friends and it's a it's a really wonderful sweet little show so yeah that's mm-hmm. i can think of that but yeah so that's, awesome. that's, that's what i can yeah think of at the moment
0: <laughs> awesome okay more general questions about the voice acting industry as a whole um, how have things changed in the voice acting industry when it comes to info and background knowledge of the original work when it comes to dubbing? Do you get sound samples or just text and told to make a voice sort of thing?
1: Well, you know, uh, to be honest, I actually have, have taken a break from doing voiceovers and I'm actually just starting to get back into it. And of course, it's it's a different world now because uh, not only our voice auditions, but, you know, any auditions are are done from home you know there are, there are actors who are doing on camera and theater auditions and they're doing self tapes and really most people that are voiceover actors are recording from home studios um, so we're not going into a studio anymore i think that is pretty much a thing of the past and you know there there are exceptions of course um, but i would assume that uh, especially if you're dubbing you know work that originated elsewhere like japan for instance that uh, you you will still kind of get images of your character and descriptions and what have you in the same way that, that you used to. Um, so I, I'm thinking that not much has changed in that respect. I think it's it's about, you know, having this, the original show and, uh, and the producers having an idea of how they want to do the, the English voices and kind of aiming you in that direction. And then, you know, of course, you see the, an image of the character or you see clips or what have you, and that gives you the energy of the character and and you go from there. So I'm assuming in that respect, not much has changed since I uh, dubbed years ago.
0: Cool. And of all those characters you dubbed from the Yu-Gi-Oh! franchise, who was your favorite to voice and why?
1: I would say it's probably Bacora. Um, I, I think it's... It's really interesting to uh, to have the the both sides of the character, to have this kind of gentle, soft spoken guy, and then have the other guy who's basically Satan with white hair. (laughs) Uh, You know, so so that's always it was always fun to kind of do you know to go between those voices. It's like playing two characters, you know, it's kind of fun. But uh, I would say of of the from the Yu Gi Oh verse, I would say yeah, it's definitely Bakura.
2: It's, a, was it's it, a fine choice.
0: Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of times in the show where um Yami Bakura is pretending to be Ryo, uh pretending to be the, the kid. Um did you ever like find it either difficult or fun, like sliding between the two, acting as an actor basically?
1: Yeah, it is it it was fun. And you know, because there's this kind of you know, you're you're doing it in the booth with kind of this little little it's like having a kind of a glint in your eye or, or a little smile, <laughs> a little smirk on your face where you're kind of playing the character pretending to be the good character and you know that you know he's just trying to fool people. So it's always fun, you know, to kind of find that midway point of of uh, that's that's an even better challenge when you're, you know, the the bad side trying to 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 pull the wool over people's eyes mm-hmm. and make them think he's the good guy. So that's that's fun to do, you know.
2: It, it, it's such a fascinating dichotomy to me as well because you have Bakura and you have Yugi, two two characters who have you know a very similar deal going on, and two voice actors who have to do a very similar job. But you know, be- between you and Dan Green, you have to do it in completely different ways. Where you right. know, you know, Dan Green is is playing. There's not there's no trickery going between the voices. It's all you know this very you know like. Honorable, serious, and then you have Bakura who's doing it in such a more sinister way that I feel like it it creates such a really cool dynamic when the two
1: characters get to interact that way. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really fun. It's really fun. And that's always fun to to act as well.
0: And it's actually really interesting in the anime where, you know, Yami and Yugi are basically in constant conversation with each other. In the anime, (laughs) Ryo and Bakura, like, don't ever say anything to each other, there's (laughs) No. no communication between them. There's a couple. Even in the Japanese version, there isn't. In the manga, there's like a, a couple instances where um, Bakur is trying to like convince him to put the ring back on. Uh, there's like a part in Duelist Kingdom when they're trapped in the labyrinth um, underneath, underground with the Paradox Brothers, um, where he's like, You're gonna die here if you don't put me on. I can get you out of here, but like, you and all your friends are gonna die if you don't. <laughs> um yeah. But you don't get that in the anime.
1: <laughs> no, no. It's it's interesting what you know. It, it's interesting to think what from the manga gets into the anime and what's kept out and why. And again, is that is you know that could very well be another random decision. Who knows? But because I'm sure there are so many more stories in the in the manga. Correct.
2: It's it's quite different. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Audrey, you take it because you were the one who kind of read it all before us.
0: Yeah. Um, so I would actually say, arguably. Bakura's character is the thing that is most different. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That he is, you know, Rio, the the good side of him is basically written out in the anime. He spends like, I don't know, 90% of the series either possessed or comatose. Uh Um, (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) you know, um, in the manga, he's a a really crucial character, actually. Um, And there's a lot more discussion about why he continues to carry the ring um Mm -hmm. and like why like he knows what's in it there's his introductory arc basically has him almost killing himself um (laughs) basically like you know having his soul destroyed and you know in the manga it's over a tabletop game in you know in the anime it's the it's the duelist kingdom duel but still same idea right like he's willing to destroy his entire soul it's like why do you keep putting this thing on and it's kind of implied <laughs> that he thinks he can control it which is just an insane thing for this 16 year old to think he can do um, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, little, a little far-fetched yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's literally
2: yeah. Oh, you're at 16 yeah, yeah he's exactly.
0: like he's like i can fix him it's like no you can't dude he's satan
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly
0: <laughs> nice try, nice try. Um, yeah, um, but uh, like, sort of most crucially, the like the entire last arc of Millennium World is like very, very different um, because in the manga that takes actually takes place in the Domino City Museum, mm-hmm. so Rio. Like he did in the, the manga that he was, the arc that he was introduced to, which was this like tabletop game called uh, Monster World with miniatures mm-hmm. that everyone got their soul put inside instead of cards. Um, he made it, he made the huge diorama that they're playing in, playing on Amazing. in that final arc. And it takes, and it's in the back of the museum and it could only have been him because his dad was the curator of the museum. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's why. That's why it was so important that his dad was the curator and that he was yes. there. So this happened in, uh, like, a physical space. There's actually a great moment where um, Bakura <laughs> is like mocking Yami, and he's like explaining all of their pawns and the rules of the game. And he pulls out Akhenaten's mummy, mm-hmm. like his physical mummy, is just behind them for the rest oh, of the I game. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: That's great.
0: So it's it's really cool. But yeah, like obviously none of that made it into the anime because no, they're I, like they're like, no, he's just passed out on this staircase. Yeah, yeah. much
1: easier <laughs> easier to animate, you know. You yeah.
0: Know. Um and the, the physical game takes place in the shadow realm. So. Exactly.
1: Exactly. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, which voice actors do you look for to for inspiration either in general or specifically for any characters
1: you know i i I wouldn't say that there are uh, any particular voice actors that I uh, look to for inspiration um, I can't name one but really uh you know it, 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 there's there's always there's always this kind of uh interesting pool of things to pull from as as a voice actor you know we've all grown up seeing endless television shows and movies and Mm -hmm. and pop culture and even more so for for you guys who are younger than i am but but we we see so much from day to day in terms of entertainment and whatever that there's always a lot to pull from when you're doing a character So, you know, you might have a character in in mind and and, or, you know, have a character that they're wanting you to voice and they'll tell you what this character is like. And you'll say, oh, you know, that character reminds me of this guy on this show or or what have you. So there are a lot of different ways to uh, to um, look into to pop culture or your own history really not even just you know uh television or movies but you know your own history of like you know he kind of this character reminds me of my uncle or reminds me of my dad or what have you so i wouldn't say there are any particular voice actors that i look to for inspiration but definitely a lot of um performances and memories and characters people that i've met for years they're they're the ones that i usually draw from for the most part
0: awesome that's great uh okay our next question is um what's a Yu-Gi-Oh line or card that gave you nightmares when trying to record bonus points if it's a monster you had to say a lot
1: okay i i don't know that there is a particular card that was a nightmare but the the only uh the only nightmare that i can think of quite honestly and and i think any other actor on the show will tell you this is the, the the only nightmares that we uh uh, experienced in recording the shows were the episodes with large battles to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest because they were just absolutely exhausting to to record um because you're you're in a you're in a little tiny airless i mean there might be a little bit of ac that they that they pump in you know but you're in this little tiny booth and you're screaming for you know however long doing you know and they're like yeah could you try it again or give me three versions of that particular scream and whatever so you go and you scream again and it's really exhausting really exhausting and so basically you know sometimes they they you know get in touch with the people that scheduled us and say you know so we, we need you for three hours but it's a battle so you know, let's do it. So I would say, you know, okay, let's break it up then let's do it an hour and a half, one day, an hour and a half another day, because it would just be, so anytime a battle was coming up, I'd be like, Oh gosh, here we go. Oh my God. That was, that was always difficult. It's exhausting to do by the time you get out of the booth, you're, you're lightheaded, you're, <laughs> you need oh a nap. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult, but there you go. Yeah. gone through a real battle. Oh, I'm telling you.
2: <laughs> it, it It's funny. It, it kind of parallels a little bit our experience with the show. Because, I mean, we wouldn't be podcasting about the show for five plus years if we didn't love it but i I feel like the parts where we kind of gloss over the most are the actual battles especially when there's like something huge going on it's so hard to take notes and discuss every single thing that happens just because there's it's such a different experience than when characters are just talking and well absolutely
1: there's there's a lot going on there's a lot to follow and so i can i can can understand that especially You've been doing this for five years, did you say?
2: We've been doing this for, we just hit our fifth anniversary. uh, Yeah, earlier. earlier, I remember, I think we released our first episode, uh, Yugi's birthday in fiction is June 4th. So that's when we released our first episode. And that was June 4th, 2018 is when we started doing this. That's amazing. Well,
1: congratulations on your your 5th anniversary thank guys.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We we plan to get through so as I think you know we're in the middle of 5D's right now and we plan to get through every series. So we'll be doing this until we die.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. You go You it. know,
0: why not keep doing something that you like? So there you go. Yeah. Uh <laughs> thank you. On the flip side of that question, um what was your favorite line or thing to say as your characters? <laughs>
1: Oh gosh. Um, I, you know, I I would say that it's for, it was probably a couple of Yami Bakura uh, moments. Um, and it's actually a quote that, that, that a lot of people have, when I go to conventions, they ask me to put a quote on whatever I'm signing, you know, sometimes. And, uh, I just remember saying, you know, something like, don't you know, I am the darkness was, Mm. was the, uh, was the, the line that I remember most or, you know, I'll banish you to the shadow shadow realm or the graveyard. I always remember saying those lines. But I think I am the darkness. I thought, well, what a great line. You know, it's a fun line to say. That's he, really good. You know,
2: that's true. He is the darkness.
1: He not is. Wrong. Absolutely. Nope. He's not lying. <laughs> <laughs> that dark about. Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. Um okay you we- talked about this a little bit but um, could you talk a little bit more about how you actually got picked for your roles and what the audition process sort of looked like?
1: Well I, I don't um, it's interesting because I it was it was a long time ago so I I would imagine that it was similar to a lot of other shows that were going on at four Kids at the time where there was a pool of actors. That were, that were all there kind of doing various shows. So automatically those actors would be put into the pool of people that would be auditioning for these new shows. And they would say, we're doing a new show. And um, you know, they'd give us a, a time slot to come in and audition. And I think what they would do is that they would say, um, they would have narrowed down, for instance, if there were 10 characters, they would have narrowed down maybe the three that you possibly could do. Um, and so it's quite possible it's been a long time, but it's quite possible that I auditioned for for Yugi and and uh, and Joey and, and Tristan and who knows, or maybe even Pegasus. So um, I guess it's basically, you know, and, and they would, of course, all do the same as well. They would audition for, you know, four different characters or something. And then they would kind of say, OK, I think he's best for, you know, this character or that character. And then, you know, keep narrowing it down and narrowing it down. And so. um, yeah, that's what I remember about it, was that you'd go in and, and audition for for a handful of characters, and then they would decide which ones you were best for. Have you come in for a callback of maybe doing two of them or something like that? And then, you know, they decide which ones that you were, whichever you were best for. Sure. Yeah. that Makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, us with very little knowledge of, you know, how, how the sausage is made. Yeah,
1: sausages Uh, definitely. (laughs) Four kids was a sausage factory. Uh Really was. Put that that on a T-shirt. Yes, yes, Uh yes. They knew how to churn stuff out. Let me tell you. And and you know, yeah. Hey, whatever. It's not a company anymore. I can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right, right. (laughs) Don't worry, guys. If they give you any trouble, just let me know. Yeah, (laughs) put (laughs) them your way. Yeah.
0: Can't defame someone who doesn't exist. Um, yep, exactly. <laughs> um, God. Um, okay, cool. Um, off that topic. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I know you guys. You guys probably have to be really super careful. So I apologize.
0: If oh I, no, we know. don't. <laughs> we don't, and we aren't. Absolutely <laughs> we oh, we not. not. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's very
1: often like us, like us actors, when we go to the conventions and we sit on a panel and people start ask, asking us about working at Four Kids, and we're like, "Well, you we can say anything now." You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't it, get paid
0: much, but there you go. <laughs> <yeah>. Yahoo! Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, off a little off that topic. Um, yeah. Which voice exercises do you do before a work session? Do you do different warm-ups for different characters?
1: Uh, I don't do many for, for voiceovers, strangely enough. Um, you know, I've done a lot of theater work and so I, I, I do exercises before doing theater only because you have to kind of project your voice, um, you know, without microphones. Uh, you know, when you're doing a voiceover gig, you've got a microphone right in front of you and, you know, although it is a character voice, you're not, you're not, uh, Hurting your vocal cords so much. Now, that said, again, if we're doing a battle, you know, that's why we have to kind of take breaks every 15 minutes and only be in the booth for like an hour or so because it is exhausting. But uh, so I've never done any vocal warm ups myself. Um, and very often too, you know, I'd be, I'd be working a temp job and, you know, I'd have to say, you know, I need to go and do this voiceover job for an hour. So I really didn't have time, you know, you'd have to just kind of leave on your, your break from your temp job, go do your, you know, voiceover job and get back to your temp job. So, you know,
0: cool. So here's a here's a question specific to to recording Bakra. Um, so apologies if it's like too long ago or whatever. But uh, Dark Side of Dimensions came out in 2018. Sorry, 2016. Um, what did you find different from the first time you played Bakra and when you played him in the most recent movie? Uh, for example, the vibe of the cast, the lines were, if the lines were having more fun with themselves, etc.
1: You know, I, I I wish that I could that I could uh, tell you that there was a, a difference and, and illustrate it for you, but you know, it's like I was I was watching I forget what it was, but there was uh, an interview that I saw recently by an actor that had done a television show, and then the television show was a movie, and then there was another television show after the movie, and they said, you know, for me it's all kind of one movie, you know, and I I I, I will repeat that uh uh, sentiment for this because you know in doing all of the different projects you know you were just coming in and doing that character that you were familiar with and of course you know they they want to make sure that all of the scripts that you're dealing with are you know there's quality control and they want to make sure that it sounds like it's a part of that universe so really whether it's a, a script from the original show or uh one of the uh the sequels to the show or the movies it's all really kind of the same universe so I I can't say that there's much of a difference in going from one to the other it's basically just you know every time we go in they'd say you know I'll I'll play you a sample of your voice and very often when they do that I'm like I don't really need it because like it's just (laughs) I just remember the character. So, but uh, nothing really much changes, I have to say. It's basically just kind of going, you know, reentering that little Yu verse, mm-hmm. you know, from, from one to the next.
0: Did it That's... feel good to like reenter it to come back to it? Oh, sure,
1: sure. It's always fun. It's always fun. It's always good to work, you know. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's always, I'm very pro-work. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm always happy when they call me back to do something new.
3: If you don't mind me asking a question that's not on the list, uh, uh, in one of, this isn't, this is less Yu-Gi-Oh! and more just voice acting in general. Uh, In another show you were on, uh, Kirby Right Back At You, you played two characters that were sort of meant to bounce off of each other, DDD and Escargoon. Yeah, What was it like sort of uh, playing against yourself?
1: You know, it was, it was really fun. That was a fun show to do because I didn't really get to do much comedy in a lot of the other shows. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the other shows, are, you know, occasionally, yes, but uh, certainly not anything that I had a, a pretty meaty role on. So the fact that I was able to play two characters that were both funny that was great. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that I actually was also on the, on the staff at four kids as a writer and mm-hmm. uh, as an adapter. And so I, I actually did a lot of the adapt, the uh, adaptations of, of Kirby. I was on oh. the writing staff for Kirby. So I was not only was I performing two roles, but I was also writing a lot of the scripts. Wow. So, yeah, so it was fun. So for me, I had the, you know, I had the scripts in my head and I heard the voices as I was writing them. And, And, uh, so, you know, like with any show you go in and sometimes another actor has been in there before you and you have their, their track to work off of. Sometimes you're the first one to like, to lay down a track. And so you don't have anything to work off of, but you know, you have the script and you have your imagination and you can imagine what the other person's going to sound like. And so basically it was the same kind of thing. I go in and lay down one track and, you know, you know, ahead of time who you're talking to Mm -hmm. and, um, and you know, That's that's just kind of a a part of it. So you go in and you you do one voice, and then you go in you do you do the other. So that's got to
2: be so fascinating, being able to kind of craft the lines that you know yourself are going to say. I mean, because you know what you like to do, how you like to do it better than anyone else. So being able to write your own lines for that must be such a unique experience. Well,
1: you know, it was funny because. the the producer that I was working for, he was a wonderful guy. Um, I, I remember he was a real stickler, so, hmm. my, so I would very often have to do like two 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 versions of each script. I mean, it was really so. Really, it was it was a separate thing because I I had to kind of write to the style that the producer liked. Um, so I had to kind of think of myself. Okay, right now I'm a writer, and then I went into the booth as an actor. So it was it, it was it was interesting. I knew, I knew the universe, but, but the writing was something that I felt very, I was very controlled, you know, by, by you know having to, to fit this criteria of this show. So yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know if you, you know, another anime called Yu Yu Hakusho. It's um, an old one. And one of the first Funimation properties that they, they got to dub. Um, and in the cast commentary for it, uh, Chuck Huber, who played uh, Hiei, uh, they were talking about who they wanted to be cast as and and he had wanted to play yusuke the main character, but then he turned to Justin Cook who played yusuke and was also the voice director for it and said, But you just cast yourself, didn't you, Justin? <laughs> oh man. I've
1: I've met those guys, let me tell you. I've met
0: those guys. I've met uh, Chuck Huber.
1: Uh yeah. He yeah. tried to
0: get me into crypto. <laughs> Oh, okay.
1: Oh, all right. All right. Well, you
2: know. Yeah, look, out, look out for Yuki Coin coming out next month, I guess.
0: <laughs> he ate yeah. coin in that case. Yeah, he yeah. Ate
1: coin. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I think you, if you said no, I think you made the right decision.
0: Yeah. 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 I wonder where where he stands now on that. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like I said, we're not careful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: <laughs> um, uh, all right. Um. This is actually a, a good segue into our next question, which is from our, our other co-host, Sarah, who isn't here, but um, she is a uh, costume designer on um, like Netflix and various other shows and oh, all sorts of things. Um, uh, so they're asking, um, how does uh, voice acting compare to the screen industries for working as an LGBTQ plus person? Is it any more forgiving or are we all just in the same hell soup? <laughs>
1: um, well, you know, I have to say, that um, I I've never you know with me it's always been a non-issue. I mean I have been I've been uh, I came out you know in my early twenties a, a little bit before moving to New York in 1992, and I never really dealt with any kind of uh, uh, discrimination or anything like that. I mean it was you know and also to you, you know when you're when you're working in theater and and voiceover. Sure. It's, it's kind of a non-issue, but I have to say, I know that there are, you know, I, I think that once you get to a certain level uh, in your career, certain um, level of success, I think, you know, you hear these stories very often about, you know, actors that have been told by their agents, you know, listen you, you you can't be out of the closet you know you, it's going to affect your career or this that whatever i think you see more and more actors these days thank goodness coming out and saying well no i'm gay and, and i'm not going to make an issue about it and, and and you know i i expect to be treated like any other actor um so which is wonderful but i've never had to deal with that because i think you know it's just a level of success that i that i you know wasn't at i wasn't in movies or anything like that or you know i wasn't a star on a television show so it's a bit of a non-issue for for theater actors certainly and voiceovers as well because you're 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 just a, a voice on a cartoon or a voice in a commercial and, and nobody really cares i think it's it's really always an issue more i think from people that are going to make money off of you and are afraid mm-hmm. that the money the money won't be there if you mm-hmm. if you're honest about yourself i mean i think that's what it is and what it's always been, um, but I've never really had to deal with that. Thank goodness, you know.
0: Or you could be Misha Collins, where your your agents tell you to keep pretending to be bisexual even though you're straight, <laughs> because that's... really wow. He I
3: um
0: like a couple of years ago, um, he plays uh, Castiel on, on uh, Supernatural, which has a very um, dedicated yes. fan base. <laughs> wow, <laughs>
1: so saying, you know we, wow, it's it's interesting, you know when. You know, it depends on, like, you know, what way the political winds are blowing or whatever's making money at the time, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's a little scuzzy when you think about it. But yeah, you know, but you
0: know, people yeah. people thinking he was queer was definitely making the money. <laughs> so
1: well, Absolutely. absolutely.
0: He, he basically had a slip of a tongue where people thought he came out as bisexual and he had to go back and be like, oh, no, sorry, I'm just, like, an ally. Like, you know, yeah. just trying to show my support. And that like, people from the CW mm-hmm. apparently were like, could you actually just pretend that you're bi? <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Supernatural. Yeah,
0: there you go. Um he did not. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. I think I know the answer to this next question, but um, did you learn much of the card game while working on the show? If so, was it required?
1: Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. It's 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 really funny because and and I'm sure that uh if you talk to to any of the other actors, they'll they'll answer in a simi- in a similar fashion because um, it's incredible to me, especially with young kids. But I mean, you know, I, I see you know people of all ages that play the game and really and 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 they really really get the game. But it's 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 amazing to me that the kids really follow it, that they you know because mm. it's a, it's a fairly or it seems to be a fairly intricate complicated game um and uh and so yeah i you know i i went into the booth and 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 did my job but it's 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 funny because you know if you ask me the technical aspects of it or the plot aspects or what have you it's it's hard for me to remember that stuff because uh it was not only was it so long ago but also the show was so long and so complicated and <laughs> oh it was gosh. it was very hard to keep up with so i'm all, but i'm always amazed um, especially with young people Seeing them, you know, at, at the tables having their tournaments and what have you, and they're and they're so into it, and it's incredible because so yeah. really, it's the the kids and the fans that really are the ones that are, you know, really really following it to a T.
2: We have a very similar. Th- this is another parallel, I think, because
0: we're famously yeah, terrible at it.
2: <laughs> so, at, at Ted, every year we do this thing called the Cup of Greed tournament, where uh-huh. we, we basically hold a, a sort of virtual card game tournament, Uh and we Before, only use. Well,
0: I just wanna wanna state mm-hmm. before we get into the details is that we have a lot of listeners who are very hardcore about the game. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, to and this this tournament is mostly for them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um but uh you know, we have we have a Discord and uh we have a channel like dedicated to the game and every so often I'll pop my head in there and be like, Cool, I need the Rosetta Stone <laughs> for this. Um, yes. <laughs> right, right. But, That's yes. amazing. Yeah, Max, sorry.
2: Yes. Yeah, so we 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 play every year and and we use the the sort of we use the rule set that matches up to where the show is. So when we did the rule set for Duel Monsters, it was only, you know, the first couple years worth of cards. And then when we did GX, it was a little more after that, and and we're doing 5D's now, which is starting to introduce a lot more game mechanics. And it's the only time I ever have really like seriously tried to play Yu-Gi-Oh, and it is it, it's another world. I mean, I feel yeah. like when 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 you when I tell people I have a Yu Gi Oh podcast, they assume, oh, you mean the card game? I say, no, the TV show, because I I feel like, I mean, this could be based on just kind of like what is advertised to me, what I see online. I feel like seventy five to eighty percent of Yu Gi Oh content is dedicated to the card game, the the thing that Mm -hmm. is continually making money, that is active and everything.
1: Yep, Mm -hmm. I, I would not, I would not be surprised because I, I actually. Kind of witnessed this kind of thing uh, for the first time only recently i was doing a a, a store signing um at a uh, pokemon yugioh sp- uh, like space yeah. in long island city um and um i sat there and i was signing and, and mark thompson was there as well and uh we were you know signing autographs and and but they had all, uh, these long tables set up and a lot of people came in. They had no no interest in you know meeting either myself or Mark. Um, there were plenty that did, but a lot of people who were just there to play the card game. That's their thing. Yeah, to play their card game. So it was really the first time that I that I realized that this was its own entity, and that that there are people out there that are are real really are really big fans of the card game. Maybe they're fans of the show as well but that there are some that are only fans of the card game. And that's, that's what they're devoted to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can yeah. I ask what store that was not to dox myself and we can cut this, but no, I'm in Astoria. No. So How are you, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: It was, it was, Oh gosh. Um, I, I forget the name of the place, but, uh, I could send you the address. I think it's, I think it's like a, uh, it, I think it's basically a space where people can go and play the game that's and weird. they have like some stuff. So I'll I'll send you the address yeah, to, once we're do. done. I can't think of it at the moment. I'm not sure what the name is, but I still definitely have the address. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And and I, I Ted, I think your experience there kind of speaks to like the versatility and just the, the sheer breadth of both franchises, Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh, where there there's so much there that you don't have to engage with every single aspect of it. Like you can you know you can just watch the Yu Gi Oh. Uh, tv show or you can just play the pokemon card game and like not dip into anything else and not feel like you have to engage with every single aspect of it to feel like a true fan
1: right exactly i mean i think everyone's going to kind of gravitate to to what it is they're interested in there are some people out there that like games and they love the game aspect of it there are people out there that are big fans of of you know anime and you know so they're gonna watch it you know because they love that so Yeah. yeah Yeah, it's, it's, it just kind of depends on who you are as an individual. All right.
0: Well, you mentioning Pokemon actually transitions perfectly into our next question, which is, do you have a favorite Pokemon? Do I have a favorite
1: Pokemon? Um, I would say it might be Snorlax.
2: Oh, oh, that's a good one. That is my wife's favorite Pokemon. Excellent choice.
1: Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, I, I think because he's, he I, I just think he's adorable. I'm going to, you know. I think he's cute. He's he's snuggly. I like cute and snuggly. Yeah. So um, so I'm going to go with Snorlax. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great Fantastic. choice. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so I know you don't know much about the Japanese version or the manga, but I think you you do at least know that there are many changes and that the original series was much darker um and pretty heavily censored for yes, uh, the yes. American dub um so if the Yu-Gi-Oh! manga got a new anime ad- adaptation that stayed closer to the manga in content and tone would you be up for returning as the voice of Bakura?
1: oh absolutely absolutely and I I, I I i quite honestly think that anything that's uh a little darker and a little edgier is is that kind of thing is much more uh, attractive to me and I, I i assume with a lot of other actors from the show i mean to to be able to do a version of Yu Gi Oh that's that's less sanitized and darker and um, takes more chances. I, I think that's that's very attractive. So yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: And right actually on. related to that, and it might be the same answer basically. Um, but given the recent-ish Shaman King revival, working with so many of the former Four Kids voice actors, um, is there a show that you worked on that you'd like to see a similar sort of revival slash reunion? Wow. Um... Gosh, uh I I would
1: probably say, if anything, I would I would say the original Yu-Gi-Oh! I I you know Yeah. yeah I, I you know, because I I I love I mean I I was quite friendly with a lot of the people that I worked with on on various shows. But uh I'd say I'd say Yu-Gi-Oh! is particularly special and um I'm I'm very close to a lot of the other people on the show. And so if anything, I would love for that one to come back.
0: I'm so glad you said that. I was hoping yeah. that would be your answer. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's Yeah, that's my answer.
0: Um, and our last question. We're at the end of them now. Um, I was curious if there were any roles you ever think about what it would have been like to voice, like having been cast as Yugi or Pegasus.
1: Wow. Um I don't know that I I have wondered what it would be like. I think it's kind of an interesting thing to think of a universe where all of us switched roles. I mean, you know, it would be kind of fun. Um, I think uh, Pegasus is a character that's that I find fun. I love that kind of darker, more sinister, um, uh, a little more flamboyant character. I love that kind of thing. And because uh, it's Pegasus, he's the he's the character that Darren Dunstan does, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes, who I love, Darren, um, and um, so that's a fun character. So, if anything, it would be fun to kind of have all of us kind of switch roles and see, you know, what 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 it would be like with different, you know, with all of us voicing different characters. That would be fun.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Max, Dan, do you have any other questions before oh gosh, we wrap it,
2: up?
3: This this covers. <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs>
0: I did
2: ask the
3: question. I did ask the main question that was on my mind, but uh, hmm. yeah, I if anything immediately comes to mind, I'll say it. But uh. yeah, no, I, I I think
2: this is this is v- very comprehensive.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, this was <laughs> th- this this was oh my gosh, so cool, <laughs> incredible. Oh great! Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so I'm so glad that you guys asked. And, uh, I was more than happy to do it. And, and, uh, it's, it's great. And, and congrats on, on having five years of your, of your pod. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: Five you years are, of jokes.
2: Our, our listeners. Oh my gosh. The reaction that, that we got from them when we were able to tell everyone saying, Hey, we were taking questions for a Ted Lewis interview. People were going yeah.
1: crazy. So oh, that's so sweet. I'm so glad to hear that. That means a lot. Oh, that's very sweet. You guys.
0: Mm. Um yeah, thank you so much. You know, as I said when I had the you know privilege of meeting you in person, uh it's a character who means a lot to me personally uh, um and has uh for twenty four years now, almost a quarter amazing. of a century. So yikes. Um <laughs> but <laughs> uh you know that's that's the way the hyperfixation crumbles. Um There you go. There you go. Uh so um, you know, getting getting to see uh, getting to see the end of his story was a big motivator for me during middle school. so it's really been the uh, honor and privilege to have you um, here today um, for giving us your time um, and we really oh, appreciate it a yeah. ton I, I I
1: so appreciate you guys as well you know that's that's one of the wonderful things about you know doing conventions and doing things like this is to get to to talk to fans and and you know for a long time uh, you know you go into the booth, you do the job and you think, okay, there you go. And you don't realize how many people you've you've inspired or or you've made them happy or you've helped them through, you know, things in their life. And so it's it's lovely to get to meet the, the kids that watched the show and now they're, you know, older and thriving and and uh, it's just very gratifying to
0: to meet all of you. And still watching it until you <laughs> oh, go,
1: right? <Amazing. laughs> not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Nor should you.
3: Yeah, this this is something sort of uh something I remember thinking as a kid and uh, uh, I recently listened, well, a few months ago I listened to a podcast uh, where someone talked about, you know, watching Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid and like for as much as uh, the, you know, uh, translation sort of, sort of uh, simplified or made the stakes uh, a little less intense. uh, Yu-Gi-Oh was a little different from everything else just because it sort of approached darker topics and, a way that uh, uh, a lot of you know the stuff that would have been airing around the same time really didn't. It was stuff. Yeah. interesting stuff.
1: I, I you know, I, I really hadn't thought of that, but certainly in terms of a lot of the other four kids shows that were happening, and probably a lot of the other cartoons that were on you know television at the time, it it was it was a little darker. It did allow itself to be a little darker, tell darker stories, and um, and I, which is always great you know to get a story where you have all of these friends working together and they're all devoted to each other and also to, to kind of you know examine the darker aspects of that it's it's really wonderful and yeah yeah it was, was a great show
0: well thank you for joining us today I'm going to stop our recording momentarily um, I just want to hang on for a few seconds after that but yes thank you sure. so much um, Absolutely, and-
1: it was totally my pleasure you guys